Swing and a drive! Welcome to Red, White, and Blue Jays, the podcast home of Blue Jays Fans UK, a group connecting Blue Jays fans around the UK and beyond and telling their stories. And now, here's the host of Red, White, and Blue Jays, Steve Hunter. Hi, everyone. So good of you to join us again tonight. Thank you so much for finding us. I'm delighted that we have made it all the way to episode two. Uh, We navigated our way through the first episode with Meg, and she was excellent. So I hope you enjoyed our first dip into the podcast world. I'm excited again tonight that we've got somebody on that I've known for quite a long time, but we were just reflecting uh, before we press record. Uh, This is obviously the first time that we've actually spoken together, but we've had lots of conversations. Um, So I'm really thrilled and a very warm welcome to the Red, White and Blue Jays podcast to Gary Stanley. Gary, great to have you. Great to be here. How are you, Steve? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm really excited about this. Um, I know you've got a bumper load of stories that uh, that you're gonna gonna bring to us tonight. So I, I'm really excited. I mean, I'm loving uh, just catching up with so many people uh, in terms of the Blue Jays fans UK world. Uh, whether it be people from Twitter, whether it be people on Facebook, where we've got to know each other a little bit. So yeah, I'm th- I'm thrilled to to have you along. So thanks for spending the time to come and talk to us. No problem at all. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Gary. What what does life look like for you? Life looks like for me is very, very busy. Um, first of all, I'm 40. Uh, oh, you're a youngster. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. I'm part, my baseball career is over. There's no chance. <laughs> um, maybe i go play in Japan. Maybe, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, I live with my wife, my two cats. Um, I was born in Swindon. Um, I moved to Canada. Um, just outside of Toronto in 1988, moved back to the UK in 2002. Okay. Um, which is obviously where my Blue Jays fandom came from when I lived there. Um, and I currently work as facility manager at Swindon Town Football Club Community Foundation. So every day is different. Every day is absolutely chaotic. Um, yeah, it, it's just you don't know what each day is going to bring you, if I'm being honest. Every day is different. So how, yeah. how, how long have you worked at Swindon Town then for? Um, I've been there since March last year. So I actually started just as lockdown kicked in last year. So a uh, bit of a bad time to go in, um, you know, because obviously the football season has been, you know, called off and everything due to COVID. Uh, but obviously it does come as perks. Um, if you like to call them perks, we got relegated last year. But, uh, <laughs> we you know, we ended up going into the games um, as ball boys to support the club because um, I actually work for the charitable part of the club. So, you know, we get out to the community. Um, That's amazing. So meeting up with, you know, with, with different fans. Um, our organisation took the lead to um, Champions Trophy because we actually won promote, won the league uh, in 2020. Um, so we did that to some of our sort of older supporters that perhaps haven't had any connection to the football club. So um, we also delivered over 100 hampers to some of our elderly supporters as well just before Christmas. So that's amazing. Yeah, it's mental to be honest. <laughs> I, I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, what sort of support does Swindon get in terms of crowd attendance? What, what, where would they be pitching? Um, at the moment, we're second in League Two um, in attendance behind Bradford City. Um, and, you know, we're getting roughly 
eight and a half thousand fans, which is good for League Two. That's very good. You know, you, you see some of the teams further down, like your Forest Green Rovers, your Suttons and everything, getting around 2,000. You know, no disrespect to them. Um, Swindon has played in the Premier League way back in 1993, um, relegated after one season. So if you blinked, you probably missed it. Um, however, I do think you can look in the in the history books and look for the most goals conceded in a Premier League season. And I think we're still there. Although ah, I think that, but that's a we were there. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, although stuff. I do think the derby might have passed us a, a few years ago, but okay. Yeah. I mean, I have some vague memories of Swindon Town over the years. So I'm based down in Bournemouth. So I think uh, in terms of sort of Bournemouth's storyline, it's probably not that dissimilar in in some ways to Swindon's and the fact that uh, the club almost went into administration and then obviously came out of the ashes and sort of worked his way all the way up to the Premier League. Uh, and I, I, I have a feeling I've seen Swindon play actually. I can't remember whether it was. It must have been down at, at Dean Court as it, as it was then. But I, I sort of in my memory, the sort of I remember the Lee Makari story. I think from many many years ago. And was that that was was that about around the Premier League days? Um, just before then, so it was mid mid eighties. Um, you know, we had Ozzy Ardiles coming after, um, and we we made it to what. You know, it's now known as the Premier League, beat Sunderland 1-0 in 1990 at Wembley. Um, the Football League decided to make an example of us, relegate us two divisions for financial irregularities. Um, and then, yeah, we got back there in 1993. But, you know, I certainly remember playing Bournemouth um, when we had Paolo Di Canio as manager. We were sort of torn to the Bournemouth fans, saying you never signed Matt Ritchie. And then we were near the abyss. And I think you got Matt Ritchie for pennies. So, Bournemouth, and he obviously has gone on to big things at Newcastle. So exactly, yeah, ah, it's a small old world, isn't it? It's a small old world. Is, and yeah. has it always been a dream of yours to to work for the club? Is that something that you'd have sort of set out a few years back and thought I'd love to be able to do that to support my hometown team? Um, I, I think it's one of those things where I mean, football is very difficult to get into. If I'm being honest, um, it's probably a bit like baseball. Um, you know, as, as a fan, you know. There's no greater joy than, you know, wearing your club's badge every day, you know. Sure. Um, going into it, I was a bit concerned, you know, would I get to a position where I was working so much there that I, I would hate it? Uh, but if anything, you know, it doesn't feel like work, if I'm being honest. You know, I work with, you know, the people I work with are absolutely fantastic. Management are great. People over the club itself are absolutely fantastic, you know, very forthcoming. Um but sometimes, obviously, you need to learn where to um, draw the line between fandom and obviously work, you know. So I'll give an example. Last year, we had a manager, John Sheridan, absolutely rubbish manager. Um, but, you know, nice enough person to me personally. I know he's had some issues with some of the other guys around, but, you know, he was fine with me, um, you know. And then he ended up losing his job. And you think, you know, as, as a fan, you think, get him out. You know, but then when you meet the individual people, you think, well, actually, really nice guys. So it's drawn that line between fandom and working, you know, and, and having to uh, differentiate between the two. Well, well done to you for um, sticking with your team through thick and thin. That's a, that's a great story. So uh, we're not here actually as a football podcast, but it's great to, <laughs> great to get your, your background and just to hear a bit of your story. So tell me, how did you end up then moving to Toronto? What, what took you across to, to Canada? Um, so we moved there in 1988. Um, I was told two different stories. I'm not quite sure which one's right, but so, so you know, the, the long story short, my dad applied for a job in Milton, which is outside of Toronto, um, about maybe 20 miles. Um, 
outside of Toronto. Um, I don't believe my dad thought he would actually get the job. Anyway, he, he got offered the job and he took it. Uh, we moved over there as kids. So I was seven years old when I moved over there. Wow. Um, you know, so <laughs> the most of my schooling there, you know, so you know, that was quite interesting. So learn how to play baseball, you know, hockey or ice hockey. Learn over here was a huge thing over there, obviously. Um, never really got involved with the Leafs, thankfully. Um, you know, so we don't have to worry about, you know, <laughs> heartbroken heart, every, heart <laughs> every year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a running joke, you know, to some of us. But when we live in there, um, make me laugh, you know, because they're just absolutely rubbish. Um, but you know so i we lived on the back of a park um you know and we ended up playing we saw some kids playing baseball you know a bit of grounders thought oh what's that all about you know we just saw it on the tv and then then eventually you know because the guys were playing in the back we thought oh let's try and emulate what's on tv of course we got nowhere near doing that because otherwise i wouldn't be sat here you know in a rented house in in swindon but um (laughs) you know yeah, so we got involved just basically through school, through friends in a park, living on the back of a park. And um, obviously, the Blue Jays being a hometown team, always believe in supporting your hometown team. Um, doesn't matter what sport. Um, it's kind of how I got involved with it, really. That's amazing. So uh, is, your, is, your, is your dad sporty or is your family sporty? Um, so going into it, so I'm just thinking in terms of going into a new nation where you're being exposed to sports that you have perhaps heard of but have never seen, were they sort of keen to get you involved in in local sport local baseball teams or was it something you just had a passion for that you you wanted to go and find out about it i think we just learned through the school to be honest i mean my dad played cricket in the uk um and but his sort of cricket days were over i think he broke his ankle uh, before we moved to canada um he was still more of a football person to be honest he got me involved with swindon town uh, from a young age um so he's the one to blame for my years of misery uh <laughs> Um, my mum, you know, wasn't really into sports, if I'm being honest, um, but she, she's very much into baseball. So it was kind of, you know, something me and my mum got into, my brother, um, you, you know, and then obviously through the school as well, learning, first of all, through T-ball at a young age, which is a bit bizarre, you know, hitting the ball off a, off a tee there. I didn't quite understand the difference between baseball and softball, apart from the fact that softball is probably about the size of a watermelon, yeah, it's like no matter how hard you hit it. <laughs> Just didn't seem to go anywhere. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how did, how did they do this on TV? Um, obviously, when I got older, I realised the ball was smaller and it was throwing a bit faster. So um, when I say throwing a bit faster, throwing in general. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, very, very, very um, different. So you arrive in Canada, you start playing a bit of baseball at school. How old were you when you went to your first Jays game then? Oh, I went to my first Blue Jays game, I think, in 1991 um so oh that's a good time what a great time to start watching <laughs> well, well it's just after the all-star game because we had the all-star game in the, so sorry rolling back a bit kind of got involved because we used to drive into downtown toronto and we saw this big structure being built at the bottom of the cn tower and we kept wondering what what's this building going up because obviously we're young and naive didn't have a clue what was going on and we saw what was then known as the skydome being built of course, when the Skydome was built, it was just an absolute marvel. You know, everyone was just like in, in awe of it um, for about three years. And then everyone <laughs> wanted to get rid of it ever since. Um, no, uh, we, love the, we love the Skydome. Oh, I absolutely love it. You know, you look, you compare that to anything in the UK. Absolutely. Anything. Um, so, you know, the fascination kind of came from that, um, you know, seeing that stadium being built. Uh, and then we ended up going to a game, you know, we were watching on the TV. Of course, tickets at the time, very hard to come by. 
So we're a bit we're a bit surprised because it needs to um, it needs to get crowds about four 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 and a half million back in the day, um, which is kind of unheard of at the moment. It was just you know it was near impossible. You know, fifty thousand every night didn't matter what the time was. Um, our first seats were on the first baseline. I remember this and the five hundred level. Of course, we're more amazed about how high it was. Couldn't see anything, you know, but it was just the whole being there kind of thing. Um, and you know, obviously, as years went by, we managed to get closer as we got worse. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but but if your first game was in '91, you you obviously had following two years of uh, amazing memories. I mean, did you did you did you get to many games in that sort of '92 '93 era? And well, they used to post out a um, a ticket form. So they used to there used to be like a mail shot that used to go out and you used to apply for tickets, and then you know if you're lucky, you got them. They weren't all that expensive from memory. I think they were only about $19 a ticket back then. Um, but, we, you know, we did end up getting a couple of games in 92. Um, you know, and obviously watching the playoffs, you know, we had Robbie Alomar in Oakland, you know, hitting that home run in the afternoon. Um, and then staying up all night to watch the World Series games. Obviously, the, the uh, you know, game six. I think my biggest memory probably back then, because everyone was hardcore Blue Jay fans, you know, at school and everything. I mean, just amazing. Um, it's like everyone's supporting the same, like all supporting the England football team here. I mean, it, it truly is like Canada's team. Um, so we, you know, when, when the whole Winfield wants noise, um, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware of that, um, came out in 1992. Um, you know, he, he wanted to sort of up, up the volume a bit in the sky down there, you know, because the sky was a bit quiet, if I'm being honest. I, th- I think the problem in Canada, people may be a bit too polite, you know, back then. Um you know, you'd even get rounds of applause for like good plays from the other team sometimes, you know. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be clapping the other team. Yeah, you know? There um, speaks speak a football supporter right there. <laughs> yeah, probably is. Yeah. So what are you doing? Um but yes, yeah, so we had we had obviously the um you know that game um you, you know where we have Winfield wanting noise and then we had the, the World Series there. Hoping to win it on home soil obviously game five didn't quite go as planned. Um Obviously, I remember the, the triple play with Kelly Gruber there, which was never called. The Empire apologised later. Um, and obviously, the first World Series win. You know, I was up with my mum. Um, I was falling asleep because I remember she was trying to keep me up. And quite young. And obviously, Winfield hitting the ball down the left field line there. I thought, this might actually happen. You, you know, and I just, just, just remember that the, uh, the cone heads for David Cohn as well. 92 was a big thing. Um, and obviously, you know, that, that core... You know, the, the famous call about Nixon's on it. <clears throat> and, you know, sorry, Timlin's on it. You know, but the first and everything, you know, and it still gives me chills even watching it now, you know, because I, I go back and it, it reminds me of my childhood, you know. Um, and obviously the following year, you know, we won the World Series again. It was just, you know, absolutely incredible. Um, I remember my mum and dad were upstairs watching the game and I was downstairs with my brother. Um you know, because obviously we want the kids out of the way so we can play with like a little wrestling figures and things at the same time, kind of watching the game, but, you know, mind sort of wonders. Um, and obviously Joe Carter hit the home run and I just like ran upstairs, oh, oh my God, Carter just hit a home run. You know, not actually realising that that home run won the World Series and won the game, you know. It was the whole thing. And, yeah, I was basically getting told off for like making too much noise. <laughs> Because we lived in a townhouse, so the neighbours could hear and everything. So they oh, had kids, they'd but... have been celebrating as well. They'd have been fine. They'd have been well on board, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they were. But yeah, it's just the, those two, those two, um, two, three years. Oh, it's incredible, extraordinary. I mean, I think 
so you, you you predate me in terms of my visit to um, Canada. So the first time I went over was 94. So I was uh, the other side of the World Series. But uh, I, I remember like you going into the Sky Dome. And um, uh, even then it was in uh, August, uh, August the 8th, 1994. I still got it dating ahead. Stadium was still rocking, you know, obviously on the back of two two series wins, but it was just before I remember the um, player strike. Uh, that just happened. before the strike, I was going to say, I think that was the twelfth August that happened. It did. I was four. I was oh, four days away from never <laughs> supporting the Blue Jays. I mean, that that's how close it was. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just as you just talk about some of those memories, and of course everybody's seen the clips and the the touch them all Joe moments and and and, and so on. In fact, we've just just celebrated, haven't we? It's just gone through just recently. Uh, lots of um, anniversaries in terms of both, both World Series, obviously this time of year going through. Um, but fantastic memories. Yeah, well, it's not only the World Series. I mean, you're looking back at your, um, you know, the wildcard playoff, you know, in 2016. Um, Bautista backflip, which I actually have a poster above my head here. Actually, a picture. Above my 2015. Head 2015. There, so. You know, so there's there's those memories that, get, of course, they're all cropping up at the same time, and it's just exactly. even even going back to last year, to be honest. You know, getting to the playoffs last season, even though it was a you know shortened season, again, it's the thing that sort of cropped up recently. So yeah, no, absolutely. And so just tell off our conversation about your time out in Toronto. So you're out there 12 years. You came back in 2002. I'm just trying yeah. to think if there was anything else specific memories that you had, sort of post World Series wins in those sort of latter years, uh, you know, as you were growing older, did, did that make any difference in terms of your love for the team? Do you, did you go with your mates a bit more as you were perhaps getting into your teen years and so on? Um, my fandom actually increased, to be honest. So um, I ended up going to games almost every Friday with my mum. So, you know, we had the obviously strike short season. We had 1995. And I remember at the time, everyone was thinking, ah, oh, you know, we're going to roll it back, as I say. Um, you know, because we still had a lot of the players from the World Series teams. There was no reason why, you know, we, we couldn't be successful. You know, I think um, Paul Molitor was still there. Uh, I think Paul LaRue was still there as well. You know, a lot of the players that were, you know, around for those teams, you know, were still there. And for whatever reason, I, mem- I remember we signed David Cohn, I think, you know, again, as a free agent. And we ended up trading, I think, to Kansas City from memory. Um, and also he went, I'm not, actually, I don't know if he went to Kansas City. Did he go to Kansas City? I know, I know you ended up with New York eventually. I think you might have went to Kansas City, then some in New York. Um, but I just remember getting him back in and thinking, you know, this is going to be fantastic. You know, we basically got the same team back. But of course, well, they hadn't played for so long because um, the Blue Jays were one of the only teams. Um, I remember during the strike sort and season, they were going to bring in replacement players. Um, but because of the Canadian, I think, working laws or something, the Blue Jays weren't allowed to um, play in Toronto with replacement players. So they were going to play their home games, ironically, in Dunedin. <laughs> um, <laughs> that sounds very familiar for some reason. Yeah, it it does absolutely. So you know, the Blue Jays would be the only team not to play in a, in a stadium, but um, you know, with these replacement players. And then we ended up going down to spring training in Dunedin you know, for about two or three years on the trot, and we actually ended up meeting some of the players. And there was a, we had a pitcher um, back in the day called Tim Crabtree, reliever. Um, he was a bit of a hero when he went to Texas. Um, he was traded for Kevin Brown in 1998, sorry, after the 98 season during spring training. Um, I think he ended up being a bit of a hero in the playoffs for them. Um, my mum was quite close to Sean Green, who obviously was wow. you know, a really good player. Um, you know, and it's just from going to games, you know, and then meeting players down in, in um, you know, down in Dunedin. 
which is quite interesting. I mean, I, I would suggest to any Blue Jay fan, you know, if you ever want to go to Florida, you know, do your Disney and things with the kids, make sure you get down to Anita, but make sure, more importantly, um, don't just get to the games, go to the minor league complex. Um, you know, you're literally right up against the fence with the players. You can talk to them. They'll all sign your stuff. You know, it's, it's, you know, you get to meet them on a personal level, you know, which is absolutely fantastic as opposed to sort of game day. They're in the zone. Um, you know, you can get like broken bats and things. You know, I remember having an Otis Nixon broken bat. Um, <laughs> <the> training session. <laughs> Ironically, and he was the one who bunted, you know, against the World Series. So, <clears throat> 97. Um, as you say, you know, I've got uh, a whole program Signed pretty much by the whole 1998 team. Wow. That's been program. Um, you know, you got some, like Terry Bevington, a lot of people, he was the White Sox manager way back in the 90s. He ended up working for the Syracuse um, Sky Chiefs at the time. Um, and he was one of the managers and coaches down there. You know, I was surprised to see him because I wasn't aware, you know, my knowledge didn't go that far down in the minor leagues that he was still here, you know. Um so, yeah, I'd say anyone who goes to Florida, they want to make sure they head over to Dunedin, make sure they get into the minor league complex, which is about a thousand times better than what I would have remembered now, obviously. But... Uh, well, they've just redeveloped it, haven't they, uh, <laughs> in the last uh, year or so? Yeah, so, um, you know, again, I got a picture of, like, signed by Roger Clemens, made out to myself. Uh, I got a picture signed by Sean Green and Jose Canseco, both in Blue Jays uniforms, you know, which my mum took. Uh, I have a ball signed pretty much by the whole 98 team. That's um, amazing. Like, Jim Fregosi, who's obviously passed on, sadly. Um, Roy Halliday, when he was young. Um, speaking of Roy, I went to his... So I remember he came up, and he'd done quite well, and then he was absolutely rubbish, and he was sent back down, I think, to single A uh, in 98. Um, single A. That's <laughs> it, yeah. Mel, with Mel Queen. He was sent back to Dunedin. Worked his way back up. Went to a game in 98, I think the back end of the season. Um, I think it was against the Detroit Tigers from memory. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, it, we were heading into ninth inning and it was actually a no hitter, you know. And unfortunately, you know, I think he gave up a home run to, you know, concede the, the no hitter. But I was actually at that game. I think it was the last home game of the season that year as well. So, yeah, it's just there's so many different. <laughs> so many like, memories. I was, just, I mean, you, yeah. you could just go on all evening, I'm sure. With, I uh, could, yeah. Lots yeah. of lot. So have you, have you managed to get back much since you left in 2002? Have you gone back for return games at all? Did you get out in the sort of 2015-16 seasons at all? Unfortunately, I didn't, know, um, which is a shame. You know, I, I did get out to a couple of games. You know, every time I go back to Canada, I do try and go when there's a game on. Um, ironically, I just came back from Canada two weeks ago with my wife, and <laughs> we applied for tickets to the playoff games, you know, because we can go on there. I'd never, even though I lived in Canada, I never got to go to a Blue Jay playoff game. So me and my wife applied for tickets. You know, we got the tickets. We, we paid for them. But of course, you know, the game was cancelled. You know, it never happened, unfortunately, um, which is another annoyance of mine being in the American League East. I mean, a team that wins 91 games should be in the playoffs. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, there's, there's no, it's absolutely scandalous that, you know, in they, did, they did have an opportunity, didn't they? Um, I'm trying to think when it was. It, that long ago where I think there was some discussion about rejigging the the, the the teams around a bit and I think they had the opportunity to consider going into the, the central division which I think yeah would have purely on, on getting wins and getting through as division winners um, would have been a, a wise choice but I think sort of a lot of the um, 
a lot of thinking is obviously the, the AL East is the league to be in. Um, but you have to sacrifice the fact that you're up against, um, you know, four very good sides, uh, as it, as particularly as it stands at the moment. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a strange one because, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, let's get to the playoffs every year. But, you know, I genuinely think by staying in the American League East um, and competing there, you stand yourself actually in a better stead in the playoffs, you know, because you're constantly playing good teams. If you're winning every every season, you know, a bit like Cleveland at the moment, or Minnesota, you know, and you don't really have much competition, you know, by the time you get to the playoffs, you know, then you have your competition, you know, and you're probably a step behind the other teams. Um, you know, and, and to be honest, you want to test, I, I'd imagine as a player, you want to test yourself against the best opposition, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I know certainly with, with football, you know, if you're um, winning every week, you don't learn anything, you know. Um, so Baltimore must be learning loads at the moment because they never <laughs> win. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, all, all, all joking aside and everything, it's, um, you know, part of the pull, I think, for the Blue Jays is certainly being in that division, you know, against those big powerhouses and Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tampa. Or Montreal or have, you, have you been to Tropicana Field? When you're in- I haven't, no. No, you haven't um, had that job. I will say I'm sat in my um, living room at the moment by myself speaking to you. And I think the atmosphere is probably about the same. So <laughs> I can kind of say I've been there. <laughs> in fact, the lighting is about the same as well. Yeah, so. it probably, probably is. It's it's quite it's a place, not isn't it? Not the prettiest of ballparks, certainly. Definitely but, not. I mean, no. I mean, amazing stories, Gary. I mean, just uh, fascinating hearing. Uh, and it's what I love about this sort of conversation is is hearing, you know, the the moments that mean something to you as a person, the, the memories as a, as a, as a young boy growing up in that throwing distance of the dome, just uh, certain sort of nuances and things, you know, as you've reflected, I mean, it's just, that's what I love about connecting with fans and talking to people like you. So thank, thank you so much for just sharing a little bit of your, your story. 7 p.m. First pitch in Toronto. Midnight first pitch in London. We're Blue Jays fans, UK. And we stay up late. You're listening to Red, White, and Blue Jays. So let's just uh, sort of fast forward a little bit to last year, the 2021 season. How do you view it? Do you view it as a disappointment or do you view it as a, a success? How, how, what's, where do you lie with it? Um, it can't be anything but a success. Now, I think if we look back, we need to look back further to 2019 where we were. Um, you know, because a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, we, we, we shouldn't, you know, we should have made the playoffs. And everything. And we, you know, we should have done, you know, by rights. But at the end of the day, you know, the table doesn't lie. So um, <clears throat> results are what they are. But I think you need to look back to 2019 where we were. And then you look to last season where it was only a sample size. You know, I know that buzzword gets thrown around a lot in the baseball world. It's just a sample size. Um, but there's only 60 games last season. You know, so if you go on a tear where you get, say, 15 games and you're good, you know, you, you're there or thereabouts. You know, so for me, this season, you know, winning 91 games um, on the back of a season where, A, we had no home, and we moved twice. Um, you know, obviously, we were, in, we were in Dunedin, and then moved to Buffalo, and then back to Toronto. Um, you know, and a lot of these young players are finally now, like, you look at your Vlads and everything, you, you know, he, the way he's turned himself around, you know, you looked at him, you think, is he another sort of Cecil Fielder or, or Prince Fielder? You know, he's got weight issues throughout his career and he's absolutely turned around and basically all told all the naysayers, you know, no, this this is me. Um, so I think if, if you're looking at it from 2019 when the Jays were last in Toronto 
Um, it sounds a bit harsh, but I don't really count last season. You know, yeah, we made the playoffs and everything else. But again, you know, if you get to the playoffs last season, you know, you only really need to win probably half, you know, half your games because obviously it's expanded. It wasn't a true reflection about how the team, I mean, all you need to do is look at Marcus Simeon um, last season. You know, you look at how he played last year, which is why he never got the huge contract. You know, so that 60 games, you know, there was another, you know, 62 games to play and he never had a chance to, um, you know, play to his full potential. So I think it's a bit skewed last year. So coming out this year um, and winning 91 games, just being outside the playoffs um, until the ninth inning, you know, with Boston and, and the Nationals there. Um, it, you know, it can only be a success, to be honest. No, absolutely. And I think I think there's been so many players that have had standout years uh, this year, um, just you know, you'll you'll see that behind me, the photo of uh, of Vladdy, Simeon, Tioska, and um, Bo. You know, just reflecting on their sort of all four players getting a hundred RBIs or more across the season. Obviously, Vladdy's had a, just a sensational year. Simeon, highest home run scorer for a second baseman, which is quite ironic, really, isn't it? Because he wanted to play shortstop, and uh, he's got the record for the second baseman. But um, uh, yeah, just just so many so many things. I think that we can come out of. And what I l- love about the situation for the Jays this year is that they, you know, going into next season, you haven't got to do too much. Uh, obviously, there's the big debate about Marcus Simeon and, and, and Robbie Ray. What's going to happen with them because of uh, their contract situation? But the rest of the team, actually, generally, will all more or less be back again, and so that's really good position for for the Jays front office to to be in not having to negotiate all that where do you stand on the on the Simeon Ray debate who would you like back both of them one of them if you have to have one which one would you favor well I think realistically we're not going to sign both of them um so to be honest we need pitching you know so for me it's Robbie Ray um Simeon wants to play shortstop, you know, and I think he'll head back to the West, if I'm being honest. I'd love to see him stay. And I think they'll obviously make a push. Um, but, you know, again, as you're saying about contract situation, we've also got Steve Matz as well. So where where does his contract lie? I mean, he didn't have a bad season either. So if you take Ray and Matz out, you know, you're losing a whole, whole bunch of wins. Um, you know, and in terms of next season, I think we also need to be a bit realistic. I mean, yeah, you know, we're just outside the playoffs this year. And, you know, um, you know, I know that Shapiro and Atkins have said, oh, we want to improve next year. But I think we also need to sort of just step back a minute and look at the bigger picture. The Blue Jays for two thirds of the season were playing in minor league ballparks um, with smaller dimensions and things. So the statistics that the players put up this year will probably level off a bit next year. You know, I think we need to be realistic in terms of our expectations. You know, is Simeon going to you know, hit as many home runs next year? You know, he's not going to be playing in minor league ballparks as well. Um, the same with Gladdy. The statistics... You know, their stats aren't going to be as high as they are this year. So, again, that's something else you need to look into as well. So, you need better pitching with, with Rogers Centre being a hit-friendly ballpark. Um, you know, you can't be bringing in your, your, your Tyler Chatwoods and things to just sort of piece together games. So, I think you really need to look at your pitching side, um, you know, because you're not going to get the offensive output as you had last year, you know, you know for the home games. Because, again, you know, we had a bit of an advantage playing those smaller ballparks. Yeah, well, I, th- I think yes and no, because, uh, you know, sort of, pondered the whole sort of should they have got through to the postseason and they didn't why didn't they and I think uh, you know while there's some advantages in terms of um, hitting in in minor league parks uh, the fact that they had to play you know such a large chunk of the season effectively out of a suitcase 
I think, you know, fair credit to them because not many teams would have been able to, to do what they've done. So, you know, it swings around about, you know, we could argue and or discuss Definitely. until <laughs> till the proverbial <laughs> cows come home about whether they should or shouldn't have got further. I mean, I, th- I think on that last day, obviously, it was so exciting, wasn't it, going into the, the game 162 and, and everything still to play for. Uh, four teams all all in with a shout. It was just like final day in the football season, so so <laughs> lots of excitement. But that initial disappointment that they didn't they did everything they had to do. Uh, obviously, beat the uh, Orioles handsomely, but um, yeah, that that pesky old Red Sox and get them getting through uh, was a, was a real low point. But I think like you, I've sort of now the dust has settled a little bit, uh, and I'm a bit more reflective. Actually, I'm really positive for, for for next year. So um, let's let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, next year is the year. And that's I think you know that's what Shapiro has been sort of been saying for a long time now um, that you know 2022 is the one that they're building for. So let's let's really hope that that happens. The podcast home of Blue Jays fans UK. You're listening to Red, White, and Blue Jays. Okay, right. I've uh, got a couple of other questions I was just going to throw throw your way. Uh, so just tell me, how, how did you connect into the UK Blue Jays scene? How did you find us? Uh, can you remember that story at all? Um, not really, to be honest. I think I, I didn't realise there was too many Blue Jay fans um, in the UK, to be honest. Now, ironically, where I work now, there's another hardcore blue jay fan ah, which is just excellent ridiculous next door at the athletics track there's also a guy that always wears blue jay hoodie so i went and spoke to him and he wears a hat as well so there's three of us in the vicinity now um you know in swindon at least um so it's a bit it's a bit of a strange one i i think initially i joined i might have seen a referral i think from sandy on the canadians in the, in the uk facebook group um so i think that was way back way back when um and I joined from there and I, I joined the fantasy baseball, but I, I just don't have the time to do the uh, fantasy baseball anymore, to be honest with my work schedule. But um, so I think that's how I kind of got involved as well. Um, I managed to get my wife into being a Blue Jay fan, um, which is great. Wonderful. Um, I mean, I have a great story about her, although. Um, so <clears throat> middle of the night, um, we're both asleep. So during the playoff games, I would set my alarm to wake up and watch the games. So. It was the wildcard game against the Orioles um, where Edwin hit the game-winning yep. home run. Yep. So I was in bed. I didn't want to make any noise. Got like, yes. So I'd done like a fist pump, like kind of like. <laughs> and I didn't realize that my wife was right behind me and I elbowed her <laughs> in the eye. Oh. Woke her up. <laughs> I bet you did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and she's just like, what happened? And then, of course, I had to just tell her about uh. um, Ever since then, yeah. Um, and she, and, and she still wants to be a Jays fan after all of that. Yeah, that's it. So welcome to the club, love. Bye. Yeah, she is. But then she kind of says to me, "I'm not going to get elbowed in the face, am yeah. I?" So uh, there's a game on. She sits, you know. Thankfully, brought social distancing in now, so you know she's well aware of two meters, especially when the Blue Jays are on. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a crazy one. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> well, well done to her. <laughs> What's your favourite bit of merch that you've got? Well, I mean, you've talked about a lot of stuff that you've got, obviously signed, and and you, I mean, you've got a collection that would put green eyes into most Jays fans here. <laughs> what, what's your what's your what's the bit that you? You obviously got your backflip photo on on your wall there, but um, 
What's the bit that you love? Oh. Uh, to be honest, it's going to sound really silly and probably a bit soppy. Um, there's a couple a couple things. So I have a quite an extensive Blue Jays jersey collection. Um, so I've got a couple of Roy Halliday jerseys there, which obviously near impossible to get now. Um, I've also got this season's the away Blue Jays jersey. So uh, my wife got um, ordered it for me for my 40th birthday. I was trying to find it. So we went on our honeymoon to Las Vegas early in the year and I was trying to get the baby blue jersey. Couldn't find it. Eventually found it on Fanatics here about three months after. But you couldn't find the replica of the away jersey. Mm. And so my wife actually wrote to the Blue Jays asking, you know, if she can get one and if they sent it to the UK and they did. So I've always liked the away jerseys. I've always preferred the away ones to the home ones. And, and that comes from growing up. Um, my mum used to get the home jersey. I used to always get the away jersey. So again, that's something that's always carried with me. And, you know, whilst I have a big mouth, I seem to drop food all down as well. So great, <laughs> easier to <laughs> disguise it. Um, and, and funny enough, actually going back to my wife, um, you know, one of the other, it's not really merchandise, but it means a lot to me. So I have a letter um so we got married in 2019 my wife wrote to the blue jays and the blue jays sent me a letter congratulating us on our wedding and saying um you know like you've really hit the ball out of the yard for this one you know kind of things like that so lovely um you know to me merchandise and and sign things you know they're things that mean something to me um you know and obviously this jersey means a lot to me because you know my wife knows how much i wanted it and it's something that she's got me yeah and she's gone out of her way despite not being you know a hardcore baseball fan to do it you know to make me happy um and again that's a great letter you know isn't merchandise but it's just something that means a a lot to me you know and uh it just shows what caring club the blue jays are as well yeah totally i i love those sort of stories because that's what makes life tick isn't it is uh is you know, people in relationship with each other and uh, going the extra mile to to uh, to show their love. And I think that's a brilliant story, Gary. That's uh, super and uh, big gold star to your wife as well. So uh, you can absolutely pass, pass, <laughs> pass that on. Funnily enough, my wife did something very similar for my um, my big 50th, which I had um, last year. So I've got a, also got a letter from the Jays, uh, but uh, congratulating me on my uh, my 50 years. If you've got a story to tell, Send us an email, bluejaysfansuk at gmail.com. Now, back to Red, White, and Blue Jays. Right. Okay. So we're sort of um, coming towards the end. Uh, Thank you so much for just giving us a bit of time and just sharing some of yeah, your no, stories. Um, I say I can so, go on forever, I'll tell yeah, you. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Five or six podcasts, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> we, we can always come back for a second edition, uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So what I'm, what I'm going to do just to uh, sort of close us out is – just going to f- throw a few questions at you. Just uh, ten questions. Just what comes off the top of your head first. First thing. So okay, so you don't don't have to think about it. It's not too serious. So okay, so your favourite player from twenty twenty one, who impressed you the most? Again, there's there's so many. Um, to be honest, I would probably say Vladdy just for the work ethic. Yeah, 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 Bobby. totally. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't agree with that. Uh, your favourite player of all time. Oh, that's a difficult one. <laughs> uh, I'm probably going to say Dave Steeb. Um, so a, a lot of the Blue Jay fans in the UK probably don't know who Dave Steeb is, but probably the best pitcher the Blue Jays have ever had. Um, some will argue Roy Halladay. I would say um, Dave Steeb by miles. If, if you look back in the 
late 80s. I mean, he was untouchable. How, how he never got more recognition for what he did um, for the Blue Jays, you know, up until 92. Um, you, you know, he's injured in 92 in his career. Sort of went, um, he ended up with the White Sox and he was released. Um, you know, it, it's an absolute shame, to be honest. Um, and for a lot of guys who don't know, he actually did return to the Blue Jays in 1998. So, um, ironically, I was down in Florida at the time. I didn't see him and say, hey, Dave, want to go want to go have a game um but he was um, a minor league instructor for the blue jays that season and he was throwing heat um and he ended up coming back to the blue jays that season so a lot of people forgot about that but no i would certainly say dave steve was probably the best all-time pitcher yeah brilliant a player so. yeah a player yeah no that's, that's great your favorite non-blue jays player do you have one i mean that's like you know who, who's the arch who's the arch rivals for swindon town who's your who's your nemesis club Oh, Oxford, but we don't worry about them. They're okay. kind of irrelevant. Oh, yeah, they're, they're nowhere now. Um, I that's, would probably that's offended say... every Blue Jays fan who comes from Oxford, by the way. We've just lost them. That's all right. <laughs> that's a greater good. <laughs> um, oh, but probably um, Cal Ripken Jr. Um, I actually got his autograph, funny enough, on a baseball for my mum. Funny enough, another, sorry, another really quick story with that. So my mum had a, um, they had these um, commemorated baseballs for the um, 2,131th game he played in consecutively, for guys that don't know, which broke, um, you know, the record there. And they had orange stitching on them and, you know, they had a little logo on there. And my mum said to me, because a little kid at the time, quite impressionable, said, if you get this ball signed for me, I'll buy you a foot-long hot dog. You know, that was, that was the payment at the Sky Dome there. And yeah. he ended up signing it. So, you know, that, that's probably worth, you know, quite a lot of money. Again, yeah. wouldn't sell it. No, of but course. Just a really, really nice guy. Um, and probably, um, yeah, you know, probably be Cal Ripken, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Your favourite ballpark away from Roger Centre stroke Sky Dome? Uh, Kansas City. I've been there. Oh, okay. Um, so I've been to Coffin Stadium. So... Yeah, so we went there. Um, I've been to Seattle, Oakland, Anaheim, um, and I've been a few other ones there. But yeah, we used to go to what used to be known as Comiskey Park, which the White Sox play as well. Which we, which for your foodies out there, they're the best hot dogs in the world. <laughs> so <laughs> I've, I've walked past it. I, we, we we went to Chicago when it was um out of season. So uh, yeah, we went we went past there and uh, when it was Wrigley as well. But um, okay, uh, your favorite baseball food. Probably hot dog, to be honest. It's got to be, isn't it? That's, yeah. the, that's the classic. That's the, is the classic. Yeah, it is the classic. Uh, <laughs> your your favourite drink at a board game? Um, steam whistle. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Across the road. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, day or night game? Night game. You've got to be under the lights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you've sort of touched on this. Um, your favourite Jay's jersey colour. So I think I'm going to have a stab at what I think that might be now. I think I think yeah, you're, yeah. you're going to go for your grey, aren't you? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought you might do. <laughs> your, your best baseball jersey number? It would be 18, 18. only because that's my anniversary date. Uh, okay, yes. So there would be that. So I can't forget it, obviously. Um, we're obviously um, 32 for Roy Halliday, the yeah. one I was growing up, 37 for Dave Steve and Tim Crabtree. Okay. But 18, it would be now. That's a very nice 18, touch. it would be now, yeah. Yeah, good man. Well done. And uh, last one, roof open or roof closed? 
open every day snow rain hail tornado whatever yeah it's got to be open <laughs> did, you, did you ever did you ever get to exhibition stadium at all i did but i didn't get there for a game it was for something else it was actually during the, the canadian national exhibition um really random stadium um <laughs> it was a bit it was yeah a bit bit weird um there was a monster truck thing there during the exhibition and he had the outfield wall still up and half the football field which seemed to go on forever and somewhere in Spadina in Toronto, I think. But there we go. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Some amazing memories, Gary. I mean, so good just to, to hear you chatting about those. Thank you so much for spending the time. I'm sure those listening in will have really enjoyed hearing uh, some of those, particularly those earlier memories, because we've got a lot of Jays fans here in the UK that perhaps have joined, you know, since the sort of 2015 era. But yeah. uh, to hear some of those, some more historic uh, stuff was 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 fantastic so thank you so much for spending the time to chat to us now yeah, in terms no of in terms of social media are you just on facebook or are you on twitter as well uh only on facebook to be honest i don't really do social media um a because i don't have the time and b with my job i can get abuse <laughs> so <laughs> i'd rather be sort of be a bit anonymous that's um, all right that's fine you know no. No, no, absolutely. Go below the radar. That's exactly that. That's not a problem at all, sir. But uh, thank you so much, so much for your time today, and um, really look forward to hearing further stories. We, we, we must book in an episode two. I think. I think you've probably got a lot more oh, to, a lot more to to, to give yeah. to us. And uh, I just want to sort of finish off by saying, if there's um, anybody listening in, and you just think, actually, I'd love to share my story uh, in the same way that Gary has done. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me um, at Blue Jays Fans uh, UK on Twitter, um, also on Instagram, and uh, I'm within the Blue Jays Fans UK Facebook group as well. My name's Steve. Thank you so much for listening, and we will speak to you again soon. Take care now. The Red, White and Blue Jays podcast is a production of Blue Jays Fans UK. If you've got a Blue Jays story to share, let us know. Email us at bluejaysfansuk at gmail.com and follow along on Twitter and Instagram at bluejaysfansuk. I'm your announcer, Jim Langton. Thanks for listening. <laughs>